0: Greetings, my name's Andrew Sumner. My grandfather, Pop Smythe, bought me my first comic book in Liverpool, England, when I was three years old. And I spent the next 50 years hurtling around the pop culture kaleidoscope, first as a fan, and then as a journalist, editor, publisher and presenter. Along the way, I met a bunch of interesting people who will be joining me here. Creators, performers, professionals and public servants. We live in divisive, fractured times, but art and popular culture connect people from all viewpoints and from all walks of life. I'm often struck by the passions people enjoy, that they can set aside their differences for and agree on, whatever those passions are, whether I share them or not. And that spark, that moment of instinctive, connective agreement, that's what I call a hard agree.
1: I've been fine. I haven't been ill at all. I haven't had, I haven't had it you know none, and none of my family have so you know t- touch wood you know yeah. so far so good from that point of view but yeah it's been you know from a professional point of view it's been the busiest time of my entire career i would say which yeah. was entirely accidental
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah and that that's all as all as a result of your amazing draw with rob initiative right
1: yeah 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 that's right yeah so it was yeah. it's so strange the way it's all the way it all happened i mean literally Right at the beginning of the pandemic, so back in March 2020, I was sitting on the sofa. It was a Sunday night. We're watching the news, me and my wife, and they were talking, I think they were just talking about the schools were about to close in the next week or so. And so I just thought, right, you know, I've got three daughters. I know how hard it is to keep them entertained, you know, in the summer holidays. Suddenly, all these parents are going to be stuck at home with kids for months on end. You know, we don't know when it's going to end. We don't know how long this is going to go on for. I think I can probably do something, you know, to give them a bit of respite for maybe half an hour or so, you know, a couple of times a week. Because what we do as children's authors, one of the big parts of the job is, you know, basically you sign your book contract everyone's happy champagne is brilliant and then about a week later they call you into you know in my case Collins HQ and they say right you need to develop an act you're going on the road right so they send you <laughs> out on the road so you know suddenly I found myself on stage uh, and I'm not even kidding you at the Royal Festival Hall at some it was a literary festival there and uh, you know there's two or three hundred kids in the audience and I was on stage having to you know entertain yeah. the troops for an hour no one told me what to do so I just sort of got on with it and I found that if I started drawing on stage early on, you sort of got the kids then, you know, because they yeah. th- at that age they think drawing is a superpower. And yeah. uh, and that, so what I would do is I would show them how to draw some of my characters, you know, do a, like a step-by-step drawing on stage. And this was back in, you know, 20, 2015 when I first signed my book deal. And, and, you know, I was always amazed at the kids when they hold their drawings up at the end. These, these little kids, three, four years old, were just doing these really brilliant drawings. You know, they didn't necessarily look that much like mine, but that's the beauty of it. You know, these yeah. lovely drawings. So I thought, right, what I'll do, I'll just do exactly what I do at my live, on my live show. And I, but I'll but i just record myself doing some of these drawings and do like a step-by-step draw along for the kids. And so I had the idea on that Sunday night. Came out here into my studio on the Monday, recorded the first video, took it two or three times just to get the tone right, that kind of thing. Then I put it up on the... So I recorded it on the Monday, put it up on the Tuesday, and I'm not kidding, on the Wednesday night, I was on news at 10. It was <laughs> it was mental. It was totally mental. I mean, I, you could, there's no way you can predict that that reaction. And I still don't really know why, why people reacted to it so strongly. I think part of it was the timing you know I got the timing just right when yeah. when parents were really looking for something for their kids to do and part of it was I guess I'm I'm just quite good at talking to kids you know I've, uh, I've, uh, I've,
0: uh, mate I would say they're exceptionally good at talking to kids and, uh, and uh, as a as a proud viewer I would say that what it really is it, it is is it's a your innate ability and and the fact that you, you know, you've developed you've developed this act that you've then then transferred into you know the video universe, but I think you're tremendously engaging and and I think your ability to interact with your youthful audience is unbelievable, mate. It's fantastic, Aww. you know. And right. uh, and I I had an experience recently where I, I did an hour long interview with um one of your observer stable mates uh, Chris Riddell. Yeah. Oh, did you? Oh. Yeah. Uh, and That's Lovely um, Chris, lovely Chris. Uh, such a nice bloke, an yeah, incredible yeah. bloke. And um, he's recently illustrated, you'll know this, he has recently illustrated an edition of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I did an hour on Forbidden Planet TV where he came on, and Neil Gaiman, who I know from, from the whole comics arena, he came on and talked about Douglas Adams, his great friend, and Chris wow. just it visually annotated the conversation. Yeah. And I found myself increasingly not asking any questions because I was just like <laughs> sucked into the magic, that exactly like with your magic, the magic of watching him just create illustrations very simply and quickly. And I was yeah. so overwhelmed by it. It's like going through the round window in play school. And that's exactly what it's like watching you do and draw with Rob. It's amazing, mate.
1: Oh that's that's uh, that's very nice of you to say and Chris is unbelievable. I mean I you can he does these does these live things on Instagram and on Periscope things like that and it's just mesmerizing, isn't it? I mean I can't yeah. I mean I can draw, you know, I can draw, but yeah. I look at him and I just think, oh, I just don't, you know. The Way he just, I don't know, it's its incredible. He starts in such a small way, and yeah. It just this thing just kind of grows out of nothing, doesn't it? And yeah, it, I love it, watching it.
0: It's the simplicity of what he does. It, it seems yeah. with only a few brushstrokes, he seems to yeah. completely have the character of what he's doing yeah. on the page. It's,
1: decept- it's deceptively simple, isn't it? Because it isn't, yeah. I can promise you, it's not at all yeah. simple. But his, and it's his. It's just little things with him. It's the quality of his line, you know, and his mark making is just incredible. And his lovely sharpened pencils. i am sort of obsessed with the way that he sharpens pencils. He has these yeah. huge long leads yeah. and um, I actually borrowed the, for uh, I re- might talk about it a bit later, but I've written a middle grade book and there's a very important pencil in this story. Yeah. I based it on one of Chris's pencils because I'm so kind of obsessed with the, you know, the equipment and the brush pens and everything that he uses because um he really is the master. And, a lovely a lovely chap as well. A, 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 love, a lovely chap. Now, on that lovely chap
0: note, I'm just going to say, I'm Andrew Sumner. Welcome to Hard Agree. And today it's my privilege to be joined by the man who is the constant answer to the question for me, whenever I get asked it, who's the most talented person you've ever actually worked with directly? And I said that it's really easy. You know, the most talented person I've ever worked with directly is Rob Biddle. And, and Rob Bidolf is the best-selling and multi-award-winning author and illustrator of at least 10 amazing children's books. But not only that, in another lifetime, in another era, when I was the publishing director of Uncut magazine, he was the art director of Uncut magazine and one of the most talented people I've ever worked with. Not only that. But Rob Biddulph, who's right here right now, is an incredibly nice man. And it's my pleasure to see you again, brother, and have you on the show.
1: Oh, mate, I don't know what to say after all that. That is unbelievable. What an intro. I, I, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, I've got a lot to live up to. (laughs) That's so nice of you to say. And I have to say, you know... Well, those years, we did a we did a special. I really remember that special project we did together, the uncut DVD. Do you remember? Oh man, I love uncut. that book. Uh, I love that, and book. that was that was one of my not the best times that I've had in 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 magazines. And it was lovely. You were, you know, a rare thing in the publishing world. A publisher is was actually a really nice guy and really genuine. Because I'm telling you, in my experience in magazines, they they were few and far between. So uh, you know, right back at you.
0: Well, you're very kind, mate, and also. That was also my experience in magazines as well. (laughs) It's it's a fact, when I look back upon my really rather long magazine career, the the thing that typifies it is I always got on, as you know, I always got on really well with my teams. I always got on really well with my editorial team, but with with the advertising circulation guys as well. I loved the people I worked with. I had a lot of issues (laughs) With my actual peer group and the people I reported to, with one or two exceptions, but by and large, you know, I, you know, I, I not to dwell to on this too much because, like yourself, I'm an extreme positivist. But man, I had some, I had some uh, people-based experiences that when I tell people some of the things that I encountered and happened to me, they
1: think I'm exaggerating. Go, no, no, that's what these people are like, mate. It's oh, fucking unbelievable. Well, I, you know, one day we'll have to go out for a beer and you'll have to fill me in because, yeah, I'd like to hear some of those stories. And I've got <laughs> a few that I can share with you too.
0: Yeah, no, I'm sure you have, mate. And to take you back in that time machine, can we spend just five minutes before we get into the fabric of this amazing career you've forged as, as a, a creator of, of children's books? And this unbelievable ride you've had over the last 10 years can you get a? Can you just talk a bit as to how you got to that point and how it was we came to find ourselves working together at IPC?
1: Well, yeah, it was a you know I I I was kind of you know if we go right back to my school days I was always yeah. that kid at school who you know who who was the the arty kid you know right yeah. from when I started at secondary school I drew all the posters for the you know the school plays and all that kind of thing and so it was kind of predestined in a lot of ways that I would have a career in the creative arts because you know that's what I was really good at and there was two things basically I was good at football I was a very good footballer and I was good sprinter and I was very good at art and I was pretty good at every you know all the other subjects in between but they were my two real strengths and I did actually there was a point when I had to choose between football and art and art career actually weirdly bizarrely but yeah I was always going to go to art college I think and off I went to art college thinking I was going to be a painter you know that's what I wanted to I wanted to be a you know a fine artist and then I realized, you know, there's no money in it. So I sort of <laughs> switched over to graphic design. And, and on the course, actually, I there was a guy who was the year above me on my course and also was in the university football team. So there, those two worlds kind of collided there. And he ended up when he left the year before me, he got a job working on Just 17 magazine, yeah. which was a teenage, you know, it's a very famous teenage girls magazine. Unfortunately, there is no no team mags around anymore. But it was like a really, it was kind of like the cool girls mag. You know, you had a couple of others that were kind of a bit more kind of saccharine, but Justin team was the kind of the one that was into the indie kids and all that kind of stuff. And he got a job there. And when I left, basically he got me in as a freelancer there. And I don't think magazine design was necessarily something that I always wanted to do. I mean I loved I, you know, I'm geeky enough to kind of be into my typography and all that kind of thing, you know, in quite a big way at university. And uh, when he offered me this job and I started working there, I realized that it's an actually it's actually a really brilliant um, and creative and fulfilling career for a graphic designer. Because mainly because I think, you know, every week you were generating a, in those days, it was a weekly magazine. I think, oh, it might be in a fortnightly magazine. But on a regular basis, you're generating all this design content that is then getting put out into the world and you know the, the the layers you have to go through there are layers you have to go through to get your work out there but it's not too bad you know it's not like designing record sleeves when there's you know it takes six months to a year to kind of get something out on you know into the world and it's got to go through so many executive decisions and all that kind of stuff this seemed to be a bit of a quicker route out into the world for my work and so pretty early on i grew to love it and it's hugely sociable you know going out every night you know it was just it was just a really, really fun place to be in your when how old was I then? My early mid-20s. Yeah. And so yeah, I started as a freelancer, then I was made like junior designer. So bottom of the design rung. So you sort of learn the basics. You're the guy who has to scan in in those days, has to scan in the transparencies of, you know, the Spice Girls or Peter Andre or whoever it was, you know. And then you I worked my way up through the through the rungs and I became, you know, designer, then senior designer, then eventually the art editor of the mag. And and like lots of these kind of creative careers, once you're on the conveyor belt, you kind of move around. You get to know other people. It's quite a small world, really, and you get to know other people on other magazines. And so then I went from just 17 to a like it was a unisex style magazine called Sky Magazine, which I used to read when I was a bit younger, and I really really loved it.
0: I also used to read it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's great. It's sort of movie. It's sort of a bit of everything, wasn't it? But it was like you know, it was it was slightly different to the at the time you know, FHM was huge, Loaded was huge. And I wasn't, I wasn't really, I wasn't a fan of those magazines, but I really liked Sky. I really liked the thing that was a little bit more kind of stylish, fashion-y and music-y and filmy and that kind of thing. So that was kind of my dream job. So I went to Sky and then from there I went to, then that's when I went over to IPC at the time. And I did, I did, I did a special project over there. Like it was a kind of a, we were trying to launch an urban music magazine and it didn't, didn't come to anything, but during my time there a couple of the couple of the big weeks noticed noticed that i was pretty good at design and they basically they offered me the art editorship of the enemy which again was a magazine or a paper in those days that i I'd, I'd read in my youth and yeah so i found suddenly found myself as the art director on the enemy, and that's where you know that's probably where our paths first crossed. That's because, um, that's absolutely yeah. where we
0: first encountered each other, mate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that was—I—I uh, I don't know. Maybe this is a rose-tinted glasses deal, but. I think that was kind of it was it was one of you know magazines have eras within them that are you know are these these periods of time which you know are, when you look back you think man that, that was that was a great era and I think I think that era on the on the enemy was was a great one actually. i I really not notwithstanding what we were talking about earlier about the caliber of people who run publishing companies in terms of the the, the, the extended group of people that we both work with at IPC Ignite. I really enjoyed myself working there. I, I mean, it, in the years that I was, I think I was there about five years or so, and in that period of time, in those men's and music and movie titles, you know, I really found a home and a bunch of like-minded individuals, and it was such a feel-good vibe ninety percent of the time. I think.
1: Oh yeah, definitely, no, no question. You know, I've still got so many friends from my time. Yeah. my time at the nme because i was like you know i i in a way i was lucky you're right it was a great time for music you know strokes white stripes kind yeah. of era it's so always. it was um yeah although i i remember do you remember they there was a big thing you know the new rock revolution that was the <laughs> big that was <laughs> yeah. our big kind of yeah. shouting thing on the nme and you know i don't think that's the, that's that's <laughs> particularly dated very well i mean yeah. like, you don't hear much from you know the and these Correct. days, yeah. But, um, Most
0: of those bands with the, the in front of them have yeah, yeah, not yeah.
1: really stood the test of no, time, not really. Yeah, but but at the time, but at the time, you know, it was super exciting. And you know, it was like, you know, it was like being back at university, it really was. You know, there was if yeah. you wanted to, you could go out, there was, gig, you know, they put that thing on the door every day of gigs you just put your yeah. name down you're on the guest list and it was, it was a really fun time and so many unbelievably talented people passing through the enemy yeah. the enemy and uncut stores in those days and yeah I've got I made I made loads and loads of friends for for life and I was lucky because I joined the enemy when it was sort of on its it was slightly it was it was it was just a little bit tired I think and it needed yeah. a bit of a reinvention and and I was able in my first year it might, might have even been sooner than that in the first six months or so I was able to do like a top to tail redesign and I was given pretty much I was given carte blanche to kind of do what I thought was right and and it made and it made a big you know made a big impact and a big difference and I, you know we won a few awards and that kind of thing yeah. and it kind of really yeah really really it was a really fun it was a really creatively um satisfying place to be at the time. Yeah. And so what they did, this will definitely be where we started working together because they made me the group art director of the music titles. Yeah. And I think in nominally the men's titles as well, although I didn't really have much to do with with loaded or nuts or anything like that. But, but yeah, and that's when we started doing projects and yeah know, all that kind of stuff which is which is i, mean, I, I mean uncut was it was it was a, I, i'd i'd written
0: for the for the enemy quite a lot in the in the 90s but not actually about music classic you know if you recall i was always a massive movie fan yeah, yeah, yeah. and i used to write for the enemy about films and then you know big part of what i loved about uncut is that generally speaking back then it was two-thirds music, one third movies, over time, the movie content dialed down. But one of those projects that you touched on before that we worked on was Uncut DVD, which was really about then taking the sort of nascent DVD boom and using it as a backdoor to create the movie magazine that we'd always wanted to see. And when I said we'd always wanted to see, I'm talking about you and me, Alan Jones, Michael Bonner. It was basically, what do we want out of a movie magazine? And it was a a relatively short-lived title, published three issues. But man, that first issue that we put out is probably my favourite thing I ever did when I was at IPC. With that great cover of uh, Clint Eastwood. Eastwood, Great great shot from Magnum Force, where he's like, man,
1: so good. So good. Oh, well, it was set up for a designer, it's a dream project. I mean, there's so yeah. many amazing, there's so much amazing photography around around those classic films. It was, you know, as well as I a mean, brilliant film stills to be working with. But I remember we did a feature on the, like it was, there was like loads of backstage pictures from the Miss, the Misfits. Was That's it? exactly right. It the yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was the and Misfits. Was just these pictures, I mean, you probably knew them. You're a much yeah. bigger film buff than I am. You knew these pictures, but I hadn't seen them before. And it was just, you know, and we would do, you know, we would have like 15 pages just, full of these pictures with just little captions for which for a designer is just kind of your dream brief so yeah that was fun that was really fun I mean it's a real shame it didn't last for for longer but you know Oh, yeah, well,
0: it, it was brilliant. It was brilliant while it lasted. That first issue also had a. It, it was around the time that Batman Begins came out, so we also had oh, that yeah. that Batman article, which is a Batman oh, yeah, re- yeah. retrospective, which yeah. I wrote and you designed. And again, that's you right. know, so th- there was so much light and shadow in that one issue alone, because it was like yeah. a crash course in in
1: seventy years of cinema, uh, yeah, and that's yeah. what I loved about it yeah me too me too yeah, yeah yeah it's such fun it's such fun and i think i remember doing also at that time um uh, you know i we had to dis- we had to sign non-disclosure things but i think it's yeah. fine to talk about it now <laughs> but <laughs> we did we did uh, there was a time when they were going to launch rolling stone yes
0: over, that's over right do you that's remember? exactly and, absolutely uh,
1: i do yeah so that we did. I spent quite a long time on that. I mean, it was, in my head, it was like six months or so with Paul with Paul Lester, yeah, and and a few a few people sort of came in and out of that 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 project room. But that was amazing as well. And I really did think that that was going to happen. I don't. I still to this day I don't really know. I guess the numbers just didn't work, you know. But like yeah. again, you're working with you know the best photography in the world, the best writers in the world, and it was just I loved that. It was the only yeah. thing was it didn't. It didn't come to fruition, but, you know, yeah. what a fun job.
0: But it, great to have that ride, nonetheless, it, it, internally. And then and then, ultimately, you know, your success on the IPC portfolio, that brought you to the attention of, you know, other quality publications, and you ended up becoming the art director of
1: the Observer magazine, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a – so I was doing – my job. my job at IPC was really – was really fun i was yeah but what was happening was they were they were started i don't know what it was whether it's a company-wide policy but they started to sort of farm because i worked with steve sutherland you know that uh, you know of course you know steve you know course, legendary the, the uh, mighty steve Sutherland. so me and steve would sit in this little office and they would sort of people from all over the company would come to us and say right can you have a look at I don't know, angling, angling times or now magazine or whatever it was. And you would sort of go in for a month or so and sort of try and suggest, you know, the teams maybe had been there for a long time and they just needed a bit of a freshen up. So you go and work with their teams. And, and it is, it was, it was, it was nice in some ways. And it was good to kind of, you know, think about totally different subject matter to anything that I'd ever worked on before. And from a design point of view, I think I probably learned quite a lot, but it wasn't really satisfying me creatively and so when the observer came knocking i think that was about 2006 again it was one you know i've always read the guardian always read the observer it was one of those it was one of those situations where it was like well you know what i think it's probably time you know i i'd always wondered up until that point so i was what i was in my early thir- early 30s then and I'd always wondered what happened to everybody who was older than older than me, who weren't—I mean, who weren't publishers, who weren't on in the kind of in the boardroom. And the answer was they all went to work. <laughs> <for> the <laughs> the yeah, company. Yeah. Because I went from this this sort of this atmosphere where it was like being, as I said, being back at art college yeah. to being sort of in the grown-up world. You know, there was no yeah. music in the office, um, wow. and you know, you know, lots of very serious and very you know, let's let's not be about. It. The Bush, very posh kind of public school types, talking very loudly. And uh, when I first went there, I must admit, I was a bit like, "Sorry, my dog is barking. I'm just going to yeah, let him yeah, bark." No, so he's barking. This is this is Ringo. Hey, Ringo, Ringo the dog. great
0: name. Happens to be <laughs> named after my favorite beetle. Oh, really? Yeah. He, who he was eighty-one
1: go. about two yes. days before? So yeah. So when I first started the Observer, I thought, "Oh, I'm not sure. Are these are these my people?" But pretty soon, you know, when you're working on a small team, so I was on the Observer magazine. You know, you get to know the different. You get to know the different. um characters and you know what i absolutely loved it i really really loved it and you know i got to in my time i was there for nine years um, is, that did,
0: re- is that right really is that how long you were there yeah, for me nine wow. years
1: it's the longest i've ever been on any on any magazine by you know almost yeah. twice as long as anywhere else but i loved i loved it i loved the subject matter again you know you, you really are working with some of the best writers in the world yeah, the sure. best photographer you've got access to the best photography the best photographers because they got the pull of the guardian and the observer is unbelievable. And again, I had you know they gave me carte blanche to redesign the mag two or three times in my tenure there. And and I and I and I really really loved it. And again, I yeah. you know, I they were my people, you know. And I've got so many friends for life from that place that I'm um, yeah. I'm really really thankful for. How wonderful, mate! Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it, it's
0: interesting, isn't it, the passage of time? Because we were we were talking off camera about how long it's actually been since you and I have had a chat. And and what happens is. As your life stamps on the accelerator, what you think has been two or three years, it actually turns around it's a decade and what have you yeah, yeah. I, I, I was hanging with my dad this weekend who' who's eighty nine and and he was he was talking about stuff, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, Well, I guess it was five years ago. No, Dad, that was 35 years ago. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and it happens, you know. And so it, yeah. it, I had no idea that you'd been there that long, mate.
1: Yeah. Well, time's totally elastic, isn't it? Especially with, you know, with faith, you know, because we're Facebook friends. So, you know, I yeah. sort of feel like, you know, I know I've got a handle on what's been going on sort yeah, of, right, a little on. bit in your life. Yeah. because, And that's the way it is with so many people. So, you know, when you bump into them and say, well, we haven't seen each other for 10, 15 years. You're like, well, no, that's not true. I saw you at your daughter's, you know, birthday <laughs> yeah, party. Yeah, right. it's, a, it's a funny thing.
0: Yeah, no, uh, that, that, that's very well observed, mate. And how did you transition into, how, how did your first book, come about, before you, you answer that question, my impression from the outside is that is that you started, you hit the ground running at a very high level straight away like you exploded on the scene with Blown Away immediately won like the the Waterstones Children's Book Prize you know and and in a normal like career I I would read your your career arcs I'm very familiar with all of your books and I I have to say often deployed them as presents to my army of younger relatives oh yeah yeah yeah. and they're always very well received you know and uh, and, and, and so I think I've bought every single book you've ever written mate And if I haven't bought them for myself, I've bought them for people to whom I'm related. But in my mind's eye, I thought the narrative was, well, you know, you did Blown Away, you did GER, and then you did Odd Dog Out, and it kind of exploded. And that would be the normal arc for somebody. And while Odd Dog Out was, in, in, in fact, did, you know, was incredibly highly considered and rewarded, in fact, you knocked it out of the park with your first
1: book. You know, to me, that was amazing. Yeah. Well, how well, did that ride? What did? How did it all come together? And how did that ride feel? Well, I wish it had been quite as as simple as you make it sound, because actually, <laughs> it really wasn't. Yeah. What happened was, so oh God, I don't even know when it was. It was probably when my. So I've got three daughters, um, yeah. and when my middle, the middle daughter, when she was about two or three, you know, we bought these picture books to read to them at bedtime, and you know, and I'd done a bit at back at art college when you know i think in between wanting to be a fine artist and transitioning to a you know to a graphic designer i'd mucked around a little bit with illustration i'd done some children's book illustration projects and that kind of thing and and i would read these books at bedtime to kitty and and i sort of would would think sometimes i think god this is how the hell did this get published this is a terrible terrible book and of course those ones are always the ones that the kids want you to read every night but then there was a couple of books that i read and it made me just it just sort of, some, I just had, a, I basically had an epiphany. I tell you what, there's this guy called Oliver Jeffers, who is just unbelievably talented. And he'd written this book called, it's called The Incredible Book Eating Boy. <laughs> and what he'd done was he'd gone, he must've gone charity book, charity, to lots of kind of old bookshops or charity shops. And he would found loads of really old leather bound books and he'd taken them all apart and he painted his illustrations sort of onto these, textured covers and so it's sort of in one way you can read it as a, a regular kind of picture book, but, but in another way it was like a proper work of art these illustrations are absolutely beautiful and the levels of design he'd done all this hand-drawn typography and the level of design and you know all the things that we would learned about on, on in, in in magazines you know negative space all that kind of thing yeah. composition um this was all in these books as well and i suddenly started looking at them as really nicely designed objects really nice works of art and i did i had this epiphany i thought oh my god this looks like a really amazing thing to do i'm gonna have a go at writing a kid's book and and i had no i'd done a bit of writing here and there little bits and pieces when i was on just 17 i used to do you know i was one of only two guys on the magazine so they gave us this the letters page to do they called it male bonding spelt uh n-a-l-e it wasn't the problems page i should add it was the you know Please, can I have a poster of Leonardo DiCaprio page? And we would write funny answers, stuff like that. And I did that for a few years and I really, really loved it. So I'd done a little bit of writing here and there, but you know not i wasn't confident at all that i could do it so what i did i decided to hide behind kind of a rhyming mechanism i thought right i'm pretty good i for some reason i knew i was quite good at writing you know limericks in people's birthday cards in the office and stuff so i thought right i'm gonna have a go i'll write a rhyming story that way i can sort of hide the fact that i'm not a professional writer and i knew i could do the the illustration side of things so i so i just thought right i'm gonna have a go at writing writing a story and I thought, right, what am I gonna write about? And my and my daughter, Kitty, used to come up with all sorts, like all kids do, you know, they could just come up with these crazy like notions. And one of them was um, she got a doll one Christmas, maybe when she was about two. And I said, right, what are you gonna, what are you gonna call this doll? And she said, Oh, nothing. And I said, Well, you've got to give this doll a name. And she said, No, her name is nothing with a capital N, nothing. I'm gonna call this doll nothing and you know we suggest all these other names she was like no 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 and I thought right well that's a good start for a a little a very simple kind of children's book idea you know little girl has a doll called it nothing sister suggests lots of ideas and you can write a nice basically wrote a poem and I illustrated this book around that and a friend of mine I knew that I knew how it worked you had to get an eight you know you couldn't just send an unsolicited manuscript to the publishers because they just didn't basically they got they get you know it turns out everyone wants every illustrator wants to be a children's book illustrator so they get they would get totally deluged with submissions. so you first you have to find an agent i looked it up online it said it's really hard to get an agent fortunately i knew i think it was one of the mums at the school knew an agent who they put us in touch and and i sent my sent this book idea off to them she rang me straight up uh, Sent a bottle of champagne to the friend who put us in touch and said, This is it, it's brilliant. You know, we're gonna we'll do this. This is, I think you're absolutely brilliant. I was like, Oh my god, this is so easy. Then <laughs> I spent, I probably spent about six months, you know, tweaking, you know, changing the drawings character here, a little line there. And then just when we were at the point where you we were gonna submit to publishers, she turned around and said that her boss didn't want to have any picture book artists and illustrators on their roster. I don't know why. And she was was lovely, but she was very apologetic and said, we just can't take it forward. So that was a bit of a kick in the teeth when I literally thought that I was about to be published any second now. So then I had to, I started again, I found another agent. I wrote another story about, this time it was my, the same daughter had an imaginary friend who would only turn up whenever she was in trouble. So, you know, if she spilt a drink in her room, it was never her, it was just guy kevin yeah and, uh, and i so i said to, i said to her right what does kevin look like she said right well he's really big and His fur is vanilla colored and he's covered in pink spots he's got one she started saying all these things and i was literally couldn't you know couldn't draw it quick enough Like, <laughs> right is this what it looks like and then I the thought that's a brilliant idea for a story you know the flip and, and i had this flip reverse where the child goes into the imaginary world and they sort of become the imaginary friend and i thought that's a really nice little flip reverse so i wrote this story and got a new agent This time we got in the room with every single publisher in London, literally everyone liked it. And I found myself sort of working up slightly different versions with all of these publishers, but no one would quite commit to, to signing me. And it was so frustrating. And this went on for about two years, you know, literally working up different versions and I couldn't get this book over the line. And honestly, it was quite, it was really quite dispiriting to get, you know, in a way I'd rather, I just didn't get anywhere than actually getting so close and, and, In the end, it was, I just couldn't take, because I was literally, I was just, you know, you find yourself just watching your email, refresh, 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 refresh. And it was actually, I don't think it was particularly great for my mental health. So I decided to step away from it. And I took six months off and just constantly because all of this time I was working on The Observer. So this was all stuff I was just doing in the evenings and at weekends. And I thought, right, forget about it totally. I'll come back in a month or two and start again. So again, I changed my agent. I got a new agent whose name is Jody Hodges at United Agents. She's my current agent. And when I went to see her, nothing against the other two that I'd had. But suddenly it was like you know I could I could see clearly. She had a she had a really smart vision for what I should do. And she said, which I don't know why I'd never thought of this before, but she said, right, we're going to take the book that you've written out, this book, Kevin, but I also, I just want you to draw a portfolio of children's book Staples. So just draw a pirate scene, draw an alien scene, draw a space scene, you know, things that kids might like to see in a book and just take that along with you. Like, a, you know, like a portfolio, you know, like I would have taken along when I was being interviewed for art college. And I don't know, it was so, it's so obvious. And and do you know what? That's what paid off in the end, because in my portfolio, I'd done like a page full of animals. And I'd done this portfolio in about two or three months. I was drawing unbelievably quickly. And I'd done this little drawing of this little penguin family, and I can't even remember doing the drawing. But when I took this book around this time, so this sort of third wave of um, going out to see publishers, two or three of them said, we love your penguins. We love that penguin family. Can you come up with a story for them? So I was like, right, okay, let's think about it. Penguins, they're a kind of bird, but they can't fly. I'm going to write a story about a penguin who does get up into the sky. I know he can be out flying a kite on a windy day and end up getting blown away with this kite. So I literally, I wrote the story in about a week and I did two or three of the illustrations pretty quickly and um, we took it into the publishers and then literally the next day offers just started coming in. You know, and it was just, it's just one of those things. There's so much luck involved. There really is, you know, the bright, the right character or the right story idea has to land on the right person's desk at the right time. Then you need to be able to deliver, you know, a good a good book, and that's exactly what I think happened. And so, yeah, from it, but it, but all in all, I would say it was four, at least four years, maybe even five, of not quite getting there. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, having three children and a wife and a job and all that kind of stuff, and working all the hours God sends. And then, so when it eventually happened and I got offered a deal and I was lucky enough to have my pick of a few publishers and I chose HarperCollins because I'm that guy that I mentioned earlier, Oliver Jeffers was on their roster and they just seemed yeah. to have share the same aesthetic as me. And then, yeah, when it finally happened, it was like, it was a proper pinch, pinch myself moment. And then, as you said, you know, the first book, that book blown away, it went and won the Waterstones prize, which is just like a game. <laughs> so much luck involved because i know there was one person that the head children's buyer at the time who was a lady called melissa cox really loved the book and she i know she really championed my book in the you know when they're sitting around deciding who's going to win the award she really really championed the book and you know i'm sort of forever grateful to her really because that book when it won the award you know it's in every waterstones window a big display you know for a month you know i was outselling harry potter for you know only for that month unfortunately but you know it gave me this gave my career this huge boost and suddenly everyone in in the kid lit world kind of knew knew my name and knew my books and so i was incredibly uh, fortunate to be in that position because believe me you know i know loads of really really talented kids book writers and illustrators and they don't that hasn't happened to them and you know they are literally going from book book to book you know book deal to book deal whereas I am sitting in this situation where I've got you know I've got a certain amount of security because I've got you know multi-book deals and all that kind of stuff but yeah so there was a lot of luck involved but it was a lot of perseverance and kind of and hard work (laughs) to get there as well
0: it's the it's the (laughs)
1: classic um five years
0: to become an overnight success thing right? yeah. you
1: know yeah. exactly yeah. that exactly that yeah yeah yeah. but it's a nice world to be in it's in lots of ways it's, it's very similar to magazine the magazine world but i would say overall you know you know people are about sort of 20 percent nicer and smilier yeah you know not <laughs> you know not you know you obviously uh a present company uh accepted obviously but yeah it's a, it's a very so. nice world. it's a very nice world you know there's lots of similar you know you have your art your art people and your production people and your editors and stuff so you know it feels it felt immediately it felt very kind of familiar and and you know cozy in a way and so yeah it was a, it was a nice it's you know and then it, then then the segue from magazines doing magazines to becoming a full-time kids author that took i, I was still at the observer for the first three books those ones you yeah. mentioned blown away guru and odd dog out i was still working full-time and it was only uh, after Odd Dog Out which I think the odd dog out, the, the, the clincher with Odd Dog Out was it was read by Tom Hardy on, yeah. um, on the <laughs> I, bedtime and story and
0: I was going <laughs> to I was going exa- to ask you about this because you, 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 all three of those first books got on the CBBS bedtime yeah. story
1: there's yeah. Mark
0: Bonner wasn't there Chris Kamara yeah,
1: yeah. Chris um,
0: Kamara amazing yeah. but, but <laughs> having getting Tom it must have been I watched Tom Hardy read your book with a great sense of with a great sense of non-patronising pride that so that's amazing but I was, I thought at the time what it must be like to be Rob to be sitting there watching
1: him do this it must have been a complete mind blow surreal totally yeah. and utterly surreal because that actually it was my third book but that was the first one to, to be on T-Biz. yeah, and so we got the call through my i think it's through the publisher and i sort of got the email saying oh yeah c want your book on the on the bedtime story and you know for for a picture book author like me that's kind of the holy grail you want yeah. it to get on the bbc c bedtime story and i was like well who's going to read it and she said right are you sitting down And i was like go on it said tom hardy i was like are you kidding me bane is going to yeah. read my story and um and she's like yeah and,
0: and see, uh, so he's then, a big he's a big dog lover
1: isn't he tom Hardy? a huge dog lover so yeah he was obviously yeah. and he's done a few and there's a quite a few dog dog stories in the in the ones yeah. that he's picked but yeah my wife was like "Right, well, i'm coming to the filming with you i'm coming to the filming <laughs> um, but unfortunately neither of us got to go to the filming i think he had a pretty much a closed a closed set when he did them which yeah. is fair enough but i did think he when i when i saw it they sent me it a week or so before it was broadcast and i have to say he read it so Beautifully, I mean, they, you know, not not all of them do. Not all of the celebrity readers are uh, particularly. They're not really tuned into it. But he just read it so beautifully, and yeah, and it was quite strange being sort of because what 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 would what would happen is a lot of the big Tom Hardy fans on social media would sort of tag me in on the posts at the beginning, and so you sort of had this ringside view of kind of what he must a little tiny taste of what he must go kind of go through what every single day of his life because these these women are full on i mean they don't they <laughs> yeah, don't really hold back it was unbelievable it's quite yeah. you know it's quite eye opening but um yeah what a, what an amazing that was a, it was an amazing experience and the you know and since then you know tom hardy is the one you know whenever anyone mentions the cbb's bedtime story celebrity thing it's always tom who gets the first mention isn't it so i do feel yeah. very i feel very honored that i was one of you know i was one of my book was one of the first ones that he read he said my name he said yeah. my name. It's so bizarre. <laughs> it is, yeah, I mean, you literally—it is that—that—that's happened. You're like, what?
0: You know, crazy, yeah. crazy. Now, I, I, I that, that, that's. I, I, really thought that had to have been your response because when I saw him say your name, I was like, I know him. <laughs> <laughs> I know him. I know. I <laughs> that's my mate. Whoa. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's just unbelievable. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, 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 and I agree with you. I think he did. He did a great, great job. It really. I, I think he really access the beauty the beauty of the book and and you now you've got 10 books under your belt your most recent one to be published i think was dog gone is that right
1: dog gone yeah dog gone yeah another dog one i've done you know i've written quite a few dog based stories but dog gone was like we could be i think where's ringo he's behind me now but yeah we just i ringo's only two years old so he was kind of you know i was just new to the world of dog walking and you know all that kind of stuff and our lives were very much you know our kids are slightly older now so we've basically done that classic thing of getting a getting a puppy you know to you know so we have somebody who actually wants to be around us yes uh, uh yeah so I was new to the world of dog walking and I just thought it you know and it was pretty clear from quite early on that it's not it's not the humans that are in charge. It's the dogs, you know, you know, basically whatever he wants, he kind of gets, you know, we, you know, we clear, you know, we pick up his poo after, you know, it's great. It's crazy, you know? And uh, so I thought that's, that's a nice, you know, this is the thing with kids books, picture books, you just need a little kind of kernel, a little gem of an idea. And you can, I, you know, it's quite nice to be able to extrapolate a little, you know, story arc out of it. And so I thought, right, we have, we'll have a dog who loses his human on a dog walk. And that can be, that can be the story. And, um, yeah and then you'd like you you try and kind of you know subtly weave in a little kind of um not a moral I don't like the word moral but a little kind of message for the kids to kind of take home from the story and yeah that's that's what we did and it was super, it was really fun to draw you know I I included loads of my friends in there's a there's a big scene at the end with loads and loads of dogs and dog walkers in it and I've got lots of my parents are in there my brothers in there you know loads of our friends and lots of the dogs we meet on the walk so it's always fun it's fun to do that but yeah yeah,
0: yeah. So it's Mate, it's wonderful. And I know that recently you've been working on, uh, is is it The adve- Is it the Adventures of Parsley you've been working on? Yeah. Or is it, or I, I, is it The yeah.
1: Herbs itself? Or it, 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 it's, it's, it, it's, it is that, but they've called it, I guess, yeah. because what they've done, I think, is take the original book. So Parsley the Lion, for those that don't know, was um, a Michael Bond creation of, yeah. you know, Paddington fame, and uh, I think there was a TV series. It slightly predates me, actually. I think it came. Was it was like maybe the end of the sixties. Yeah, it, 70s, it's, ta- uh, it's totally.
0: Uh, yeah, it's totally my yeah. era. It's. It right. was one of those five-minute stop-motion animation type series done very much like they they made. Pretty much like they made Paddington, maybe yeah. from a just slightly earlier era. The herbs, yeah. the herbs, and the herb herbs. garden. There's 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 parsley in the line. There's Dill the dog. There's Belladonna the right. witch, and yeah. um, and and uh, That it's a thing that I watched constantly when I was about six years old. I mean, it's right there in my yeah, cerebral yeah. cortex, mate. I was yeah. blown away when I saw you were doing it.
1: It's like, man, yeah. I can remember all the songs and everything. You know, oh, to really? Me. Yeah, lots oh, of people. Yeah. Are so, see, that's the thing. I can't. I can't remember the songs. I do. I remember there being a TV show called "Pass Through the Lion," but just for whatever reason. I didn't, I just don't, um, I didn't know any of the songs. I didn't really know the characters apart from Parsley and Dill. They were the only two yeah. that I remembered. But yeah, it was, I mean, again, what an honour to be asked to, to illustrate, illustrate the book. I did get to meet Michael once, about a year before he passed away. One of the, you know, the HarperCollins summer parties, because obviously we shared the publisher. And he was just the nicest chap. He was very, you know, all these guys, all these guys who are, you know, the kind of the, the you know, the uh, classic picture book authors that I've met. So I've met him and I met Judith Carr, who wrote The Tiger Who Came to Tea. And they're just so um, generous with their time. And they're so, um, you know, they knew my books. Again, this this thing where you just can't quite believe that these people have read your books. And he was just such a nice chap. So when they asked me to do it, which was about a year or so after he died, you know, of course I'm gonna say yes, so it was a total honour. But I was and I think actually the fact that I didn't really know the T V series too well actually worked in my favour because you know, we've re you know, there were certain things in the book that had to be tweaked um for a modern audience that yeah, say I and, understand. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 so I was a bit I was slightly worried because I obviously redesigned all the characters from the way that they looked in the TV show, and I was slightly worried that certain kind of diehard fans would take against it, but actually it's been pretty, as far as I know, it's been really well received and it's a really lovely object. You know, they've done amazing work with the production values, you know, lovely kind of wiggling bound hardback with, you know, lovely foils and all sorts of things like that, full colour illustrations throughout. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of Rob in that book. I put a lot of work into it and yeah, I'm really proud of it.
0: Amazing, mate. Just amazing. And I think, I think people I think people do really understand when you've got to take something can usher it into the early 21st century. I think everybody gets, you know, why yeah. you have to do those things, you yeah. know, unless they're completely divorced from reality, it makes complete. They're just some yeah. things that you can't do and say, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, I mean, we've all had those experience of, of reading children's books, rereading children's books of yesterday, yeah. and it's like, oh, mm. oh. <laughs> mm. yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure I would have given the dog that name, Enid. You know, yeah, it's it's that kind of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's
0: the Dambuster yeah. syndrome, mate. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's exactly that. Yeah. So, yeah. so we talked a little bit at, uh, at the top of the conversation about the genesis of your amazingly successful. Draw With Rob Project, a YouTube um, twice-weekly draw-along series. So th- we you'd covered off the beginning of it, but of course, it, it just blew the roof off. It must have so exceeded your expectations. I know mean, when you when you first looked at the numbers, it was incredible, but you actually broke the Guinness World Record for the largest ever online
1: art class, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, back in May 2020, yeah, we did. I think I was approached to do it. Actually, there was a, there was a, I think it was a bunch of kind of entrepreneurs got together as and wanted to do this. I mean, I think they'd seen Draw with Rob and they, they thought this is a really good way of, you know, raising quite a lot of money for NHS charities. Yeah. Um, to actually go for a world record attempt so they approached me to do it and i thought yeah sounds like a great idea and it was really it was really fun actually we did it live via youtube so you know just boringly from like a technical i'd never done any youtube live stuff before and so i got they literally put me in touch with like the big the big guns at youtube and i was they were telling me how to sort of work out all the technical side of things which has actually stood me in really good stead since then but that's kind of by the by but yeah it was uh, it was nerve-wracking it was nerve wracking because, you know, you're setting yourself up for a bit of a fall because there was a big build up for this world record attempt. And we had to get, I think it was 16,000 um, unique users had to join in with me for, for us to equal the world record. And, yeah. um, and so I remember sitting there on the day. So bear in mind, it's the pandemic. You know, I'm on on—I'm sitting here where I am now in my studio, totally on my own. And I'm sitting there. I've got my phone set up. I've got this arm thing. Um holding my phone, which is pointing down at my piece of paper. And um on the screen of my phone. I can see how many people are. So this is like five minutes, 10 minutes before the events due to start. And they sort of put this screen up uh, on YouTube saying how many people are sort of joining the waiting room. And with five minutes to go, there were like 2000 people in there. Yeah. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, this is <laughs> going to be the most publicly humiliating moment of my entire yeah. life. And then of course, you know, people are told it starts at, you know, 11 o'clock, they turn up at one minute to 11, don't they? And sure enough, the numbers just went, they just started going up just like one minute before and I watched them like brrr, ticking up and then sort of the opposite thing happened because it went way past 16,000. It went to like 60,000. Uh, yeah. no, was it 40, 40, 45,000? Was it 45,000? 45 45, yeah. yeah, that's right. And, and then at that point I started, you know, I'm an Arsenal fan. I started picturing the, you know, the Emirates stadium full of all these people sitting there with their <laughs> pens and pencils. And I was like, Oh my God. And I had this, I had one of the organizers sort of in my, in like an earpiece. And I said to her, like she started doing a countdown, twenty, nineteen, and when she got to ten, I said, "I've changed my mind. I'm not doing it." And she <laughs> absolutely shat herself. <laughs> I said, "No, I not what I'm going to do." It. But yeah, it was uh, it was really fun. But it was again surreal because I, you know, I'm basically just talking to myself in my in my little office, drawing yeah. this whale, and you know, I had to keep people there for. I think that people had to be there for like 40 minutes in order f- to count for the world record. Yeah. And that's quite a long time just to be talking to yourself and while you're drawing. And so, you know, my voice did start to go a little bit at the end, but yeah, in the end, yeah, we had 45,000, I think it's 45,000 households, which we reckon was about 120, 150,000 people joining in with me live. And it's f- even now when I take the dog out for a walk, I see, The little drawings of the whales still, you know, they're sort of bleached by the sun, but they're still stuck in people's windows. And that's, again, it's quite, it's just quite surreal. You know, the whole thing's been, the whole draw with Rob thing has been weird. I think that's the word I would use. It's been very, very strange.
0: Gloriously weird, I think. Gloriously weird. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Fantastically weird. I mean, I went to, in between lockdowns. So in October last year, when there was sort of, they, they sort of, they, do you remember they sort of, they they we, we were freed up a little bit. We could do yeah. a few little bits and pieces. I did. So another thing, another strange thing they get children's authors to do is we go to bookshops and we paint on the windows. They get us to, you know, literally draw our characters on the okay. windows as a big kind of like promotion for the book. Yeah. And it's a thing they really like. I guess they get people to come and watch you as you do it. Yeah. But I thought because it's a pandemic, no one would turn up to watch me. But this was my first experience of going out into the world since you know the whole draw with rob thing yeah. and i was standing on the, in the window of a bookshop down in dulwich and just like i don't know how many like hundred a couple of hundred people just turned up and just like standing there staring at me while i was standing in this you know i felt like an animal in the zoo while i was sort of painting on this window and and it was quite bizarre and all these kids had come with their folders full of all the drawings they'd done they knew every single drawing and we had to sort of do a little impromptu outdoor signing afterwards and the owner of the bookshop said, you know, we haven't had this many people since JK Rowling came to do a signing. And it's just quite a bizarre situation to be in because I'd always done pretty well in, you know, at my live events, but this, it just sort of, I think it's sort of gone to another level now because, yeah. you know, they've seen your face on or seen your hands drawing pictures of penguins on YouTube and it's, you know, I'm an influencer now. I guess
0: uh, absolutely. <laughs> it's quite, it's quite what what sort of following do you have now? On
1: well, I know. I think it's been the videos have been viewed about uh, six or seven million times, something oh, like amazing, that. Amazing, mate! And um, you know, I've got you know my all my social followings have all gone through the roof since I started. Course. So I yeah, I did. You know, you can see. You know, when I talk about you know when i talk about a new book that i've got coming out you can literally see if you can quickly go onto amazon you can see it moving up the charts it's yeah. quite a, it's quite bizarre to have that kind of direct relationship with people who are buying your product i mean harper collins are absolutely over the moon about it all oh, I, I, no, i'm sure
0: i'm sure though because but i think you've i i think the one of the reasons one of the things that's so great about the purity of what you've done is I know you, and I know you haven't sat there and done that and thought, "How do oh I God. put this thing together where I can, you know, make a bit of extra cheddar?" You, no. you, you, you've you've actually approached it because you're trying to give something yeah. back and to build something make positive. And the, the the glorious side effect of that is it's worked really well for your career as well. But that's
1: not why you do it. That's a- not why and- I did it. No, I did it at all. I mean, literally, as I said at the, t- at, the at the top, I you know. It was just because I've got, I know how difficult it is to keep kids occupied when they're stuck at home, Yeah, you know? And so, you know, I've never charged, I haven't charged for any of it at all. You know, it's all totally free and it's all available for anybody who wants to look them up online. We've done nearly a hundred videos now, but yes, it has had, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, it's like the old Bugsy Malone line, isn't it? You know, you give a little love and it all comes back to you. And it honestly was, it was an an altruistic thing that I did. And I say to my wife, even now, because when I first sort of muted the idea of doing it, she was like, really? Are you sure about that? And I say to her now, see, I told you, I told <laughs> you it was worth it. But yeah, it really has. I mean, it, you know, it's it's been another one of those sort of lucky moments in my life that sort of led to the next yeah. phase, I guess. So, yeah. oh,
0: well, I think, I, 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 do you remember this, mate? Something you and I used to talk about a lot back in the old... Uh, in the young cut DVD planning room and whatnot, mm-hmm. was the whole concept of, uh, because they'd made a film about it at one point, but it was the whole, I think that might be how this conversation began. began. It's the whole concept of paying it forward uh, and actually the benefits that kind of, positivity and trying to do something for no reason other than it's a pleasant thing to do that the actual value of that uh, and and what an important thing that is and and sounds like a very reductive simplistic conversation but we you and I talked about this a lot it's actually about life is about how you conduct yourself and what you try and do for other people. And that's what you need to, without trying to sound like some phony Albert Schweitzer knockoff, you know, that that's the, that's the whole deal. You know, it's all about what you can do. And I think, you know, the, 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 the rewards that you might have reaped personally for this are just the side effect of the fact that you tried to and succeeded in making a difference. And I think it's a really beautiful thing. It's the best example I can think of it, of somebody I know having ach- done that and achieved it. And it's just been so wonderful to watch it in action because it is paying it forward in action, mate. Oh, you're going to make me cry, dude. <laughs> yeah. man, 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 man stops peeling onion. You
1: know. It's Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. 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 No, it's true. It's true. You know, you treat everyone how you would like to be treated yourself. You know, and I know that's something that you you've always done as well. You know, because people remember if you're an asshole to somebody, they will always remember that. You know, and why why would you why would you do that? Why would you? Why would, I don't understand people who are like, who are like that because you know, I couldn't I couldn't. It's just not it's not in my makeup to do that. And you know, I like. I love I love the fact that children who um and adults who didn't think they were very good at drawing can now produce these 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 works of art that they're so you can see it on their faces they're so so proud of themselves and you know all I've done is given them a little helping hand along the way and so I get sent all these I get sent hundreds of pictures you know daily of children's drawings and children holding up their drawings and parents holding up their drawings because, you know, lots, lots of adults hadn't picked up a pencil since they were at school until they watched these Draw With Rob videos. And, you know, it really, especially during the pandemic, you know, my social media feeds were a little kind of oasis of kind of joyous pictures in what was quite a kind of despair-filled landscape at the time. And, and that's the, that's what I feel most proud of, actually, you know. And when <laughs> I get to meet, hopefully when I go out and start doing events again, I've sort of very slightly started doing a few bits and pieces here and there and and it's it's it's. I feel so sort of humbled when the kids come up to me with their folders full of drawings. It's such a, it's such a. It makes me feel. It's you know I've never felt as proud of if anything as I do of um the whole draw with Rob, kind of hopefully the legacy that that, oh, that leave.
0: Quite right you so, say, mate. And it's already yielded. Correct me if I'm wrong. Three activity books, right? Is the original three, yeah. draw, draw with Rob, mm-hmm. draw draw with Rob with Rob build a story, and my personal yeah. favourite. Draw with Robert Christmas, my favourite time of with the Robert year. Robert Christmas, my really? favourite time of year. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 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 yeah so, that was fun. Yeah, we've got a new one. I've got a new one coming out in a couple of weeks, actually, which is called Monster Madness. But, yeah, the, I mean, the reason we did the activity books is because basically kids were saying, you know, I was getting emails every day saying, can't you do a video every single day? And I was like, well... No, <laughs> you know, it takes a long time. It's not so much because I record them all in one take. So it only yeah. takes, you know, half an hour to do each one, but it's, you know, you edit them and you then have to post them out on social media. It's taking up a lot of time. And I was like, well, I've got to write, I've got, my book contract hasn't stopped because of this. I'm doing yeah. this at the weekend. So so we decided to make some activity books so that there was, you know, if you wanted to do one every day, you could pick up the activity book and do another bit of drawing. Yeah. And they have been, they have been again phenomenally successful harper collins were geniuses because they made every so every page in these books are perforated so the kids can draw their pictures rip them out stick them up on the fridge and um, right. and that's the genius of it i think so it's very much it's a bit like magazines you know i think teaching in magazines is that you always think about the products you're creating from the consumer's point of view So it has to be useful from the consumer, whether that's the way that you phrase a cover line or a stand first or whatever. You're thinking about how somebody who hasn't read this feature before will respond to it. And I think uh, that's the the biggest thing from the magazine world that I've taken taken into the children's book world. And and it makes a huge difference because I don't think everyone kind of thinks like that. So doing something like thinking about the pages being perforated so the kids can draw on them is thinking about how a consumer will want to use that product and the draw with rob video you know lots of other authors did videos too which were brilliant but there was quite a lot of you know camera on the author's face and then talking a lot about it whereas i didn't do that i just put the camera straight on the bit of paper and my hands and got straight into the drawing because that's how that's what the kids are there for and they're not there for you to rabbit on about yourself so uh, yeah i think that's that's i think that's that's something that's come from my magazine schooling with the (laughs) likes of you
0: yeah. Oh mate, you're far too kind. Of, I'm not even sure that's actually true, but it's very nice of me to say it. it mate, is I've, true. Got, I've got a question about your, your look. Yeah. So oh, yeah. it is the is that the Rob Biddle draw of the Rob equivalent of the Batman
1: costume? Yes.
0: You know, it, 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 this is it, Batman. And you know, Batman, the Rob Biddle I know is I'm Bruce out. Wayne.
1: Yeah. Well it's quite it's quite weird because I do know <laughs> the hat thing, the reason I wear the hat all the time now is because in lockdown my hair just went. Like that, yeah, and so when I started having to go on, you know, I was on the as I said, the news and BBC breakfast and all sorts of things. I was like, Oh my god, my hair! So I like put the hat on, and then suddenly the hat is your sign, your kind of your look. Kids yeah, were right, book day kids were dressing up as me yeah. I'm not joking <laughs> I know I believe it it's they they drawed on like grey stubble and glasses. and it was me and I was like do you know what It does look like me yeah. so now this is kind of my costume and it's a it's a it's a, weird, it's a weird thing isn't it but it does also it's quite nice because you put it on and you sort of I feel I mean the glasses I have to wear the glasses all the time now but you know the hat sort of like I feel like I can hide behind it a little bit because yeah. oh, I, I do, do get see. weirdly you get. I sort of find myself occasionally getting recognised which is bizarre of course yeah it's bizarre mate, mate it's you're bizarre. fucking famous that's where you get recognised you know you you, right. you, you know you, uh, there will come
0: a day where you just have to accept it and then no, and then well, you, I, when, you, when you're getting that OBE when you're getting that knighthood <laughs> on that day I want you to remember these words or remember while someone tell me I'd have to accept I was famous one day and now is All that right. day when I'm there on the other side of those gates waving and clapping <laughs> Yeah, Rob Biddle for World President.
1: Yeah, yeah that's yeah, when you—that's well, when
0: you've got uh, to accept.
1: it. All right, I I'll remember it.
0: <laughs> so, so, mate, what, what, with this, you know, glorious embarrassment of positivity riches that you've got, you know, the very positivity bomb that's your career now. What is your, what is it you're working on at the moment?
1: Well, what I'm working on now. So, I've written uh, the big thing, I guess, is I've written a um, a novel, so a children's wow, amazing. novel. So um, it's the kind of, yeah, the step up from picture books to kind of like, you know, chapter books. And I I wrote, I actually wrote it, God, two and a half years ago, I think I wrote it. And we sold, you know, it was, it was one of those things again, you know, when I, like, when I first did the picture books, I had no idea if I could do it. I had an, I had an idea for a book and, and I just sort of wrote, I didn't. I didn't. There's no rule book you follow. I just yeah. started writing, and um, and I sent it sort of nervously. Sent it. I had a. I, it was a weird thing. I basically I somehow got two or three months back in my schedule, which is very unusual. So I thought, right, it's now or never. Wrote it. Sent it to my agent nervously, thinking she might tell me that it was totally useless. But she said no, it's really good. We're gonna send it out. And then another one of those weird things, all, all basically all of the publishers wanted it and there was this big exciting auction for it. And and eventually was signed with Macmillan. But as I said, I signed Signed the deal two years ago, so it's a, the lead times in in middle grade books, is, which is what they call it, is is much kind of longer, and so the first and so the so it's a trilogy, and the first book in the trilogy comes out in September, at the beginning of September, and I'm really excited about it. It's called Peanut Jones and the Illustrated City. And and it's sort of based on a few little things that have happened in my life with my kids. But essentially, the 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 nub of the story is it's about this girl who finds this super old, super cool pencil. And she realizes that whatever she draws with this pencil sort of comes to life. So, you know, she draws an apple. She can pick that apple up and she can eat it. And so then one day she decides, well, what happens if I draw a door? And of course, she draws the door and then she opens this door and she walks into... um an illustrated world. So it's a bit like that aha video that takes yeah. and, and yeah. And so then there's a there's a you know, there's a missing dad and there's a bad guy and there's all sorts of things that happen in the story. And um I just really let my imagination go and I just kind of wrote it. And yeah, I'm really excited. It's been so far, you know, you've sent the proofs out and it's been really, really well received. So yeah, we've all got quite high hopes for it. And I'm quite excited about what's to come for Peanut and her little friends in these adventures. So yeah, so I'm currently writing the second book as we speak. That's what I'm doing at the moment. And it's a nice change of pace for me, actually, because usually, you know, it's the picture book text, picture book text. So you sit there and you're writing rhyming couplets for, you know, two or three months and then fully on fully on down with the kind of like the drawing side of things and when I'm illustrating books for other people it's like three illustrations a day bang 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 but now slight change of pace because I'm you know yeah what 500 words a day thousand words a day (laughs) you know out in the garden on the (laughs) laptop it's quite nice I'm enjoying this period but um yeah so that's the big I guess that's the biggest thing that's happening and then I've got you know my usual schedule because you know I've got a chart up on my wall here in the studio, and I've sort of got my time blocked out until the end of 2024, believe it or not. So I know. I, I what totally I'm doing. believe it. <laughs> so yeah, I've got a picture. I've got another picture book coming out in at uh, the beginning of October. I've got another, as I said, draw with Rob book coming out in a couple of weeks' time, and a few other bits and pieces here and there. And of course, then in the autumn, the live the live circuit is kind of kicking off again. So I'm doing all yeah. the festivals. I'm doing Cheltenham and Bath and. Oh, I can't remember, am I doing Henley? And I don't know, I've got a full tour. I'm doing a bit of a Northern bookshop tour at some point to get Love myself it. up North. Yeah. And uh, yes, yeah, so I've got loads of stuff, loads of stuff going on. So it's all, you know, it's exciting times. Exciting oh, mate, times. It,
0: it's wonderful. I can't wait. And Peanut Jones is going to be a trilogy, right? It's going to be trilogy. On, ongoing adventures for her.
1: Ongoing adventures. Well, it's I've kind of mapped out the three books, you know, you know, we've got, you know, you've got your new hope, you've got Empire Strikes Back and you've got the return of the Jedi. Brilliant. And so, and so, yeah it's exciting, it's exciting. And there's a few things happening around it that I'm not really allowed to talk about, but I've sort of might have mentioned to you. And so, yeah, you know how exciting, you know yeah. how exciting
0: it is. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and I can just see where this is going to go for you. And I, I couldn't be more excited. And, and Rob, before we say farewell to each other, for this episode of Hard Degree, can you just talk me through one of your favourite, one of my favourite side projects of yours Is was your Post-it notes. Can you just oh, yeah. talk a bit about that? I absolutely loved that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, was it fun? Yeah, I think it was fun. So what it, was, it must have been a millstone round your neck at one point. Yeah, it was a bit, it was a <laughs> bit. So what happened was, youngest daughter, Poppy, yeah. she started, she was starting at primary school and what they do, where we live at least, is they, they start you off, And you do a week of just going in for the morning. So you go in from like half nine till 11, then you come home for the rest of the day and you'd have your lunch at home and whatnot. Then the next week you stay in for lunch at school and you come home after lunch. It's a way of, you know, easing the kids into a full school day. Anyway, Poppy was really nervous about staying at school for lunch so it was our childminder, leanne actually suggested well why don't you draw her a little picture on a post-it note and stick it in her lunchbox on that first day so you know she gets a little message from dad and it might cheer her up you know while she stays at home uh, while she stays at school and it has her lunch so fine i thought i drew a little picture i can't remember what it was actually i think it was like a mr man or something yeah. drew this picture stuck it in her lunchbox she got home and she said thanks daddy what so what are you going to draw tomorrow so I was like, oh. <laughs> but anyway draw one tomorrow And uh, in the end, I ended up drawing a picture on a post-it note for every single day that she was at primary school. So we reckon it was over 2,000 post-it notes that I did. And uh, what happened was, of course, the first few are really you know literally drawing them on the road or, you know walk on the way to school you know drawing little mr men or little terrible little drawings but what happened was more and more people started seeing them at the school you know the dinner yeah. ladies and the other the other kids and the parents and whatnot and so i was like oh god i better up my game here a bit so i started putting in a bit more effort <laughs> and that, that gradually kind of got more and more um ridiculous throughout the years and and then the other thing that happens is you know after you've done like maybe i don't know 400 say you're like, you start running out of things to draw. And so I started having to come up with kind of themes. So I would do like an A to Z, where I do like a week of characters yeah. beginning with A and B. And that would just help my thought processes, you know, work in terms of, you know, what I was going to draw. But then you sort of start running out of themes. So I found myself at one point doing the great artists. So there <laughs> so was one you know, and, what, and of course what happens is you sort of forget, you forget to do it because yeah. I've tried to do them the night before and then you sort of remember at half 11 after you've just finished watching, you know, your episode of, you know, The Wire or whatever it is. And, I'm, and then I've, oh my God, I've got to go and draw the Mona Lisa on a post-it. <laughs> so, and I'm not even joking. You can see them or if you go to my website and look them up, you can see what I mean. I mean, I am producing these little three by three inch works of art for my daughter. And then, you know, when, as she's getting older, I would say to her, you know, so did you like your drawing today? And she was like, you yeah, know, what was it? What was it again? And she, you know, but but everyone else around it, all the, you know, the teachers and everything, went, like, oh, my God, we love your Post-it notes. But yeah, And then, of course, you know, I started posting them every day on social media, and it was... It went a bit viral, you know. He's on the people ABC started doing YouTube.
0: requests and people why didn't you? Yeah. and all that kind
1: of thing. Yeah, yeah, you, I remember. Yeah, you. There was a few. I remember you commenting. I did want a Dick Tracy. I remember Correct. that you comment, yeah, You commented Yeah, absolutely on that. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, um, I, there were a couple that I
0: was really that really drew me in, you know, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I couldn't help but comment upon. Yeah, yeah, Dick Tracy was one that really stuck in my mind because you yeah. really nailed it, mate. It was brilliant. Uh,
1: yeah, I know. I, I was quite. I was getting pretty good at you know, and, and of course. I'm copying other people's drawings, you know, you are sort of sure. looking at someone else's drawings, but yeah, it was, you know, I did the cover of The Killing Joke, you know, that Joker. You Joker did, that's ribbon. right, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, that's that's a comic that I really, really love. So actually, you know, and I but I didn't read it until I was, I don't think I read it until I was, you know, a grown up. So when you're a grown up, it's harder because when I was a kid, I used to just copy my favorite comic characters all the time but I got to do it. I got to do it on a post-it note. I got to draw that picture on a post-it note. So it was, you know, it was super fun. But we did stop. We stopped last year when she went to secondary school because because it was just, I mean, it was cra- it was a crazy amount of work. But actually that post-it note thing, was the start of the peanut jones story that you know i took that mechanism and i and that was sort of the whole start the whole idea for the peanut jones story so you know it has got it's going to have a bit of a second life when that book finally comes out so you know people who maybe missed it the first time around might be able to kind of revisit might be able to revisit it when they read the peanut jones book so yeah it's cool oh mate that is
0: absolutely fantastic and that is a a perfect moment for us to uh, close out on so, mate, I I just want to say that it's it's so great getting the chance to talk, chat with you again, to talk to you about your amazing career, and actually, you know, your whole way of life is the hard degree moment for me. I, I really, I'm totally one hundred percent behind everything you've done and achieved and i look upon it with a, a you know a sense of you know tremendous like warmth and respect for the whole thing you've done it's just so amazing mate I'm so pleased that you're in the space that you're in doing what you do and I just can't every time a new bit of project comes comes out I just can't wait to see it mate
1: oh dude you're, you're too kind well you know what it's been it's been so nice to talk to you again after all these years you know because I've I've listened to I've listened to the podcast. It was light, not lovely to hear your voice again. Actually, you know, on the podcast, you know, it's it's so familiar. It's all kind of so familiar to me. And I, as I said, I've been keeping up with what you've been up to on um, Facebook. But it's nice to actually be able to have a little face to face interaction with you because it's been far too long. And we need to go out for that pint.
0: That's exactly what we'll do, mate. I feel a late summer pint is in our almost immediate future.
1: Yes, you are on. You are on. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it, brother. Rob, you take care of yourself. Have a wonderful evening. And thanks so much. I'll see you soon, mate.
1: See you, dude. Nice. Nice to see you.
0: You've been listening to Hard Agree. This episode was edited by John Horsley and Kenrick Regan. And our theme music, Golden, was written and performed for this show by Liverpool's finest band, Denio. Hard degree is a production of The Spoilerverse and myself, Andrew Sumner.